Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 52, which begins with Thor and Jane talking about adventures and ends with them talking about bridges. Joining us today, as every day this week, is once again Scott Grelly, founder of Dueling Genre Podcast Network and host of Franchiseography. Uh, and Scott, we found out that you're kind of a, um, a minute-by-minute emeritus at this point. What kind of got you into the whole minute-by-minute idea of approaching films? Well, it was it was Star Wars Minute first and foremost. Um, I think my podcast, Back to the Future Minute, was the third Movies by Minute podcast ever. Mm. Um, it was Star Wars Minute and then Goodfellas Minute and then us like a few weeks after Goodfellas Minute. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I, you know, I didn't really know, we didn't really know what we were doing at first and, uh, we got the hang of it pretty quickly and, um, I, I really loved it, but, uh, definitely, uh, a thing in my past now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of work doing a daily podcast and, uh, there was a while where I was doing two simultaneously where one would end and I would start the next one each season, just alternate between two shows. And it was, I did that for three years and it was, that's enough. And then you remember that sleep is a nice thing. Yeah, it sure is. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you here where you get to just talk and someone else will do all the editing. Yeah, great. (laughs) Uh, Well, we'll have all your thoughts on this minute in just one moment. Interested in chatting with like-minded Marvel fans over on Facebook? Join our Facebook group, the Marvel Movie Minute Podcast Executive Lounge. Just go to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and click on the link to join. We were talking last time about the rom-com-ness, and I feel like this moment, uh, this minute here is really kind of where we get into one more of the classic rom-com scenes, and this is where our two characters get to spend some time together, kind of opening up to each other. And, and we'll go through it, like, through the course of the minute, but let me just kind of start. What, what's your overall sense of this minute and kind of what's happening and how they're connecting? I find this minute, I think the thing that struck me the most about it is how quiet it is and how very unthor like it is now like looking looking back at this movie and and I'm looking at this scene it's like wow this is a really quiet scene of just like people talking in a car and it just feels like the antithesis of what Thor has become. And that's not like a good or bad thing necessarily, but it's just interesting. I find it really interesting. I was realizing this, I think, is the first time in the entire movie where Thor has been in a conversation where he's not the center of the conversation. Mm. You know, he she turns it back towards him at the end, but he is genuinely interested in her and generally wants to know more about her. And is putting the focus on her in a way that he never did with Loki, never did with Odin, never did with the Warriors 3. Until now, everything, every interaction he's had has been about how these people are going to be doing things for him or interacting with him. And this just genuine curiosity about someone else's, it's really nice to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I really like the way that it plays out. And as as you're saying, kind of the, the... There is so much of this like rom-com element to their relationship, especially in the way that it's built very quickly. I mean, this whole relationship is built really over, you know, a little more than a 24-hour period, maybe pushing into the 48 hours. It's not a long time that we actually are spending with with all of them. And uh, so, and just like in rom-coms, they have moments like this and scenes like this where 
they develop that relationship very quickly and the connection very quickly. We've already had a few moments where they, you know, have those great eye contact moments that they're connected. And of course, she's hit him with a car twice. And so it, it all is like totally in that that rom-com vein. But then when you have this conversation, it really allows them to kind of like have a nice conversation with each other, even if it starts off in, in this particular minute with Thor. It's, it's like, is he kind of owning up to the fact that he's a player? I mean, that's that's exactly what it feels like when she's like, have you ever done anything like this, this before? And he's just like, gives that like incredibly kind of like cocky smiles like many times. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> it's very funny. I mean, I think part of it is he's getting his confidence back. He thinks for the last 24 hours or so, he has been, as you were saying, Scott, yesterday, the fish out of water. Now he thinks, okay, Mjolnir's close. I'm going to be back being Thor pretty soon. And I think that's a part of it, but I, especially at that beginning, but I do also think, you know, again, another rom-com trope is the idea of the, the, the woman who most people don't understand her and most people don't pay attention to her, but then along comes this guy who is just fascinated by her and he wants to hear more. And, and often there's a kind of a little bit of a bemusement of like, oh, okay, that's kind of adorable, but also awesome. And that's very much what I see here. You know, he's kind of like, He's not laughing at her. He finds her passion delightful and he like wants to talk with her more about it. And, you know, it, it has a little bit of a kind of a, you know, I'm sure there's no one else on your realm who's quite like this. This is kind of, you know, the, you're the prettiest girl in this bar. Um, but I do think there's some, <laughs> some genuineness to it of he's just, he's captivated with her and he's letting her see that. And that's captivating to her. Yeah. Cause I, I, I also just think that he, she's not used to that from anyone that she is she finds worth paying attention to if that makes sense i'm sure i mean she looks like natalie portman it's not like she hasn't been hit on before <laughs> right but but i think most of the time it's kind of like in one ear out the other with her because she's focused on other things it's not until this guy who you know looks like chris hemsworth um and and is so weird and charming and um interesting that i think that she's smitten you know, with someone who is paying attention to her. Uh, I don't think that's a feeling that she's used to feeling. I mean, we've already established that part of why things didn't work out with her uh, ex, who named Donald Blake, which is obviously an Easter egg, is because he didn't pay attention to the relationship. He was more interested in being a doctor than in a relationship. So, yeah, it kind of sets up that that's something nice for her. Right. Uh, we do also establish that, once again, she is just not a good driver. Um, I kind of wonder why Eric uh, and uh, Darcy ever let her drive the van, because once again, she gets a little distracted and like there's just that moment of like it, she's on an empty road. She's not going to hit anything. But still, I thought it was funny that we get a third moment of her bad driving after her hitting someone twice. Yeah, she it's it's it's, it's a very funny moment that they uh, throw in here. But again, it's, I think it's just to show how smitten she is. You know, it's it's like I, I'm so drawn to this strange person who I just can't take my eyes off of and oops, I'm driving off the road because I can't stop staring at him, you know? And so it's, it's like all of those little moments that they throw in here that I think, uh, I mean, I don't think it's, a, you know, a, another thing like, you know, her running into him twice, but it definitely kind of ties into that whole, her, that whole angle that they're playing with here. Yeah. It's also, again, another rom-com trope of like the, the clumsy workaholic, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, which is very much a rom-com rom trope. So. Yeah. Right. 
Well, and and just speaking of rom-com tropes, and we also have like the moment in here where like he's looking at her while she's driving and then she turns to look at him, but he's he's back looking out the front and like, the you know, kind of they're exchanging glances, but they're never quite looking at each other. And it's just like, oh, there's so many moments in this in this car. And like when he's like, you know, she says, I, you're kind of strange. And he's like, good stranger or bad strange i'm like this is just like it's so much of this is just like you know sandra bullock movie it just i I love (laughs) the way that it plays here it's so funny yeah it's kind of you know one of the only if not maybe the only sort of proper romantic marvel movie yeah uh because even thor the dark world like i i wish we would have gotten the patty jenkins version um that was like straight up just like a sweeping romance i think that would have been a really interesting way to take this or and evolve it from this movie but like outside of this movie and this relationship i can't really think the only the closest one is like ant-man and the wasp yeah but you know, that's a very different vibe. That's more of like a, like a Judd Apatow kind of like romance. It's you know a little little goofier. I think the Sp- Spider-Man movies, uh, the the Tom Holland are kind of, but they're high school romance, which right. is a very different kind of a vibe as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You don't see a lot of it because even like the 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 Tony and Pepper bits, it, it's never played that way. You know, it's never. It's, I mean, we see the relationship evolve, but it's always kind of been there. It's just. It's never this sort of evolution of a romance that's actually building to something. This real and I, what I do like about this, and and we will kind of get this, even though it's never built as strongly as I wish it were. And to your point, Scott, like if they had can really done that with the second film and allowed that to grow, I mean, think of how great that would have been when you have that moment when you have the the fat depressed Thor later. Who's, you know, he's trying to talk about the, uh, the ether, but he keeps like, you know, getting distracted because of his love for Jane and how he lost her and all that stuff. Like that, that's all part of this giant romantic story that we have. And yeah, if they had really developed that, I think that those moments would have just hit that much stronger. I, I do need to point out, especially because you're going to be talking about it in the next Marvel movie minute, uh, there is another great romance, and that's between Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter. And we see quite a lot of that in the first Avenger, but it, of course, then becomes another romance. Um, but you're right. I think for the most part, Marvel doesn't do romance. And generally, I like that because I, I think we've all seen a lot of action movies where the romance feels like it's tacked on in the ninth minute, you know, just to like have a romance. And I like that here they think, all right, if, if the romance is going to be a part of the story, we're really going to lead into it just like they do with with steve and peggy yeah well i guess i mean wonder woman kind of i mean i know it's totally i'm crossing the line here by bringing it <laughs> up but i mean i'm just trying to think of other superhero movies that really try to bring in the romance and i guess wonder woman is the is the next one that would kind of come to my mind with her relationship patty jenkins yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah right yeah. superman and lois lane are pretty much the, the, the romance like i i think the first christopher reeve movie is 100 percent a rom-com yeah I yeah so there there's that there's Bruce Wayne and Selina in uh, Batman Returns yeah I, it yeah. it exists but it's and of course you know coming speaking from Spider Man Minute obviously Peter Parker and Mary Jane um, yeah right 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 yeah but uh, you know one of the probably the last uh, iconic cinematic kiss. Uh, I can't think of another one that is more iconic than the upside down kiss in the first Spider-Man since then. Um, so we talk about that a lot on that movie, but yeah, in general, I just want more romance in my superhero stuff. I'm dying for like, uh, like a quirky romantic comedy, like uh, a black canary green arrow movie. Like, I just think 
we I want more of that sort of thing. And so I, I really like this in Thor. I, I wish there was more of this going around in um in uh the superhero genre just in general. Not just the Marvel universe, but especially the Marvel universe. Right, right, right. Yeah. And Birds of Prey does tell a great story about the romance between Harley Quinn and her breakfast sandwich. Sure. But yes, great, that's not quite the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if I can pull us back from this wonderful tangent. Um but yes, yeah, so we're we're kind of Deeply in rom-com land here. Um, I think we've gone through a lot of the things in this minute. One thing I think was interesting, and, and Andy, you pointed this out in our notes, it's funny that like this road isn't blocked off. And I mean, it's not really a road. As far as I can tell, this is probably just like the dirt that was packed down first by them driving to this particular spot in the middle of nowhere. And then all of those people driving out to try to pull out the hand. You know, there's been a whole bunch of people going back and forth. Um, but it's funny that, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. hasn't done anything to, like, stop people from driving up now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are dirt roads out, you know, between ranches and across ranches and stuff. So I'm sure it's just some dirt. I mean, when we saw uh, JMS, when he was the, you know, as the townie kind of doing his first drive, I mean, he was just out on the road, probably going to check on something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Check on the cattle out in the uh, out in the farm out there or something <laughs> who knows but anyway i mean there are all these little dirt roads that kind of cut through these these uh these ranches out there and so yeah i think it's just some dirt road that they're on I and mean, we see them pass like some there's fences and there's gates and things so obviously there are there is civilization around um it's just yeah they're they're in this place i mean 50 miles west of puente antigua is at this point i guess the middle of nowhere um but yeah like why doesn't shield erect like or have a couple all they need are two shield agents stationed at the head of the road where it meets the highway and just block it off and not let cars go on that road. That's all they need. I don't know. It just, it strikes me funny that, that of all the planning they do, like the simplest thing. And again, it's, you know, we need to get Thor out there. Obviously it's just all script reasons, but uh, in context of what they should be doing, they don't do it. So then, you know, we have that kind of breakthrough moment and and he's been saying all these things about her and she kind of looks back to him and says, you know, who are you really? And he says, you'll see soon enough. Which is again, kind of, it, it's the smirk, but now it's kind of moved from just being like the arrogant smirk you want to punch to more of the kind of charming uh, kind of perspective. But what what's going on there? Why doesn't he just tell her? Why does he say like, you'll see? Because there's no way that she would believe it. You know, not really. So, like, he could say, I'm Thor of Asgard, and she'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to pull over and get the crazy person out of my car now. Um, So, you know, I I think it's it makes perfect sense for him to be like, well, look, I'm going to we're going to go to this place. I'm going to pick up the hammer and then I'm going to have the power of Thor again. And you'll see. So, you know, you won't be able to not believe me when you see me shooting lightning out of a hammer. I mean, to your point about the ghosts, I mean, that's exactly what it is. The ghost is going to say, oh, well, I'm a ghost. I'm Casper. It's, it's going to say, well, we'll get there and then we'll put it into a situation where you can't not believe it. Well, especially because he's basically spent 24 hours trying to convince them and failing. Has he been trying to convince them? Do you think that he has been or do you think that he just he like I because I mean, that's. I guess I've never read it that way. Like he's actively saying, no, really, I am. I, I always just kind of assume that he's just so arrogant that he just says it and just assumes people think that. But maybe I'm misthinking that. Well, certainly I think he's experienced them not believing him. You know, he, yeah, he hasn't well, been trying sure. to convince them, but like yeah. they've locked him up for being a drunk or for be, thinking he is crazy or, you know, any of these kind of things. Right. Strapped him down, gave him, tried taking his blood. <laughs> 
And and so then she says, well, but wait a minute, I, I still need some answers. And now he starts to kind of get into things. And he says, what you seek, it's a bridge. That sounds like something out of like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I saw you had in the notes uh, about this. Yeah. How does he know this? Why does he think she's seeking the rainbow bridge? I feel like she's a lot of her questions to him have been about like, how were you in that thing? What was happening? And he's seen her notes about it. I, I guess to me, it makes sense that that's the thing he, he knows that she's most interested in is this, how, how did you get here? And, and so he's saying like, it's a bridge. That's, that, that's the thing you've been studying. What, what's your take on it, Scott? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, there's, there's that conversation that they have. I think it's later in the movie, maybe, or maybe it's earlier. The whole like science versus magic conversation. And I think that, you know, he looks at her science stuff and he understands it all because it's rudimentary to him um, from where he comes from. And so, yeah, I think he knows exactly what she's looking for. And I think he's smitten with the fact that he, she's gotten so close and he's just trying to give her a little push of like, Oh, you are just thinking about, you're thinking about the things that the bridge is made out of. I'm just going to tell you what it is. It's a bridge, you know, (laughs) you're, 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 you're not seeing the, the forest through the trees, you know? Mm, Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause yeah, you, you, when, when you think about us trying to explain something like with our Wi-Fi to somebody from, let's just say 965 AD, uh, Tunsgard, Norway. Sure. Uh, yeah, we're going to probably have, I mean, even, you know, we're going to have difficulty trying to figure out what are the right scientific words to use for them to understand it. Right. Because we're so far beyond anything that they would even understand like where do you even begin it's an invisible carrier pigeon yeah and, and i feel like there's a, there's a kind of reverse there's a reverse of that because jane is kind of trying to understand that he doesn't get most of this stuff you know he doesn't understand that pet stores don't sell horses but then when she says bridge she's like oh and eisenberg rosen as though that would mean anything to him right. and, and i kind of had a flashback to times where like not one more explaining, but we're on the other side. Um, I've played guitar for about 20 years. I think I'm halfway decent. I really love doing it, but I've never studied it formally in any way. And every now and then I'll be playing. And, uh, if I, if it's someone who knows jazz, they'll kind of be like, Oh, I love what you did there. You took the harmonic seventh and it inverted it with the third and the, blah, and I'm just like, I, I don't know. I pressed the frets. It sounded good. Like I, yeah. I don't know all the technical <laughs> talk you think. And, and that's kind of to me, like, you know, she's like, throwing in the scientific thing and he's like it, it's a rainbow you know because <laughs> right. that that's what he knows yeah one of the funniest lines I, I we only get half of it it's so frustrating but i love i love that reaction that the, what he says it just plays so well in context of this scene <laughs> and just making him that much more strange right making him strange making uh him see that much more of the fish out of water and she's just like are like she just doesn't know what how to read him uh, you know, when he's saying things like realm, like I, I that's what I love the way that uh, Portman is playing opposite Hemsworth here. Like she really does play this like I I like you so much, but I don't understand so many of the things that you're saying and doing. Right. And he feels the same way. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> and that's why they're a perfect pair. I They just have incredible chemistry um, in, in this movie and and in the next one. Uh, I can't wait to see them on screen again together. I just think that they have amazing chemistry, especially Thor. Now that they've kind of figured out 
what to do with him, like what direction they're going to take him. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very curious how he now plays against Natalie Portman's character. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, I've said to Andy a couple times that part of why I was so excited to do this project is we are so perfectly placed in that we are coming, like, we started soon after the Loki TV show had happened. And so now it's like, okay, we get to go back to see Loki's origins, knowing all the places he goes to. And then, as you said, like, this is going to end, and then probably a couple months later, we're going to get Thor Love and Thunder, which is like the kind of culmination of the Thor and Jane love story that we're seeing here. So we're just seeing all the origin stories for uh, what stuff that's coming out now. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much juicy stuff with with the characters. And, and again, I think maybe I'm just so drawn to them because we are getting that romance. And uh, it is something that I really do enjoy when I feel like there's a, a good romance built with characters that I like, and I don't feel like they were just added to the film just to have a a romance. Like, that's what always bugs me when it's just like, oh, it's just the love interest that they have to throw in so there's somebody to save at some point. Drives me nuts. And I think part of why I really like seeing this from Natalie Portman especially is, and I've kind of mentioned this before, but I'll go into more detail of it now. Like, as I've said, my my first geek fan love is and will always be Star Wars. And I knew Natalie Portman was a great actress going into the prequels, and the romance between her and Anakin is probably one of the worst things about those movies, and that's already a very low bar. And I remember there was a lot of debate about, like, maybe she actually isn't a very good actress, or was it just the script and the directing? And I feel like movies like this, I mean, she just had Black Swan as well, but even if you don't miss that, this is such, to me, clear proof of, like, no, if she actually has a good director and a good script, she can really sell a romance. And it makes me both so happy to see that. And then also just gives me like, oh, what? If, why couldn't we have this Natalie Portman in the prequels, you know? Well, she would have had to have chemistry with her co-star uh, for stars. Also true. Also true. I'm, I know Hayden Christensen's coming back. Hayden Christian is coming back. And so I'm just trying not to think ne- negative thoughts about him for the Kenobi show. But. Again, we're in tangent land now. Uh, I, well, just just on that, though, I think he's another person who, when you put him in the right hands, I think he can do great things. I, I've really enjoyed him in some other projects. And I just feel like in the prequels, like nobody was was uh, really served well, except maybe you and McGregor, who who managed to s- escape. I don't even think he was served well. I think he just persevered. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, maybe I, I, I mean, I'll admit, like, I don't think even like Tom Hiddleston could do anything with a line like I hate sand. It's coarse. You know, yeah. like, I, I'll give you that. You know, Christian Hayden did not have much to work with either. Anyway, um, uh, I can keep going on about the prequels, but it's not what our <laughs> listeners have signed up for or what Scott has to be a part of. So uh, either of you have any other last things about this minute to bring up? I just really wanted them to do like a meta moment where when Thor looks at Jane and says, Oh, good strange or bad strange? I want one of them to look into the camera and say, Dr. Strange. (laughs) (laughs) You know, with the power of uh, online editing, you can probably figure out some way to do that. I'm sure I can. I'm sure I can. Anyway, well, Scott, last time you got to tell us all about the uh, projects you have done that are definitely worth checking out. What is franchiseography? what, What are you doing with that? So franchiseography is basically uh, my co-host Nick Jimenez and I's uh, way of doing movies by minute forever, um, basically, uh, but getting through a whole season in one episode. Um, so <laughs> the idea is we talk about Hollywood's biggest film franchises, a movie at a time, um, and we just go through and 
talk about every every movie that's been released and we talk about the development of the film and we just sort of like try to add context to it mm. good or bad you know in terms of like oh this movie sucks well why why does it suck why were these decisions made and we try to like do our research in the development process to figure out like what went wrong what went right um that sort of thing and add that context and then discuss the movie and try and figure out what we like about it and what we don't like about it while also painting a picture of the franchise as a whole. Um, franchises we've covered so far uh, have been the Men in Black franchise, the Scream franchise, uh, the X-Men franchise, which was a long one. That was 13 movies and it was our entire summer and it was so much fun. Uh, that was a really, really great miniseries. I think we we gained a lot of listeners during that miniseries, so I definitely recommend everybody checking that one out um and then we've got uh spy kids that we're doing right now uh so we're really like running the gamut in terms of like the kinds of franchises that we're doing um and uh on the docket upcoming we've got um what the the live action films of wes anderson which i say is a franchise because it's yeah the same it's the same stars um every time so uh and then i were doing the matrix right on the other side of that oh nice. um, just so yeah, perfect so yeah well, so which will it's, probably it, be about the time when this this up these episodes come out so that's yeah perfect. yeah so it's uh it's gonna be um, it's, it's a really fun show. Uh, we have a great time doing it and we really, really do our research and, um, try to bring as much context to the making of these films as possible. And we're having a ton of fun doing it. So that's franchiseography. It sounds fantastic. And I know the, um, the, I'm especially looking forward to the Matrix one on one of my own podcasts, Superhero Ethics. Uh, we're going to be doing some episodes on the Matrix when that new movie comes out. Uh, and it sounds like, uh, all my research I can do just by listening to your podcast. And so that's going to be great <laughs> as we kind of dive into the ethical issues that it brings up. So, yeah. Well, thank you as always so much for being a part of this. Andy, thank you for everything you do. To our fans, um, feedback from you is what makes this so awesome. So let us know what you think. What, do you love the rom-com? Are, are there other romances in the MCU that you're really a fan of or that you're not really a fan of? Do you want to just get back to the fun fight scenes or whatever it is? Let us know. Um, on the Next Real website, there's all the great ways to contact us. Uh, and most importantly, though, we're so, so grateful for you listening in and have a great day. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for the show. 